Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Lisa Smazarski, Editor-in-Chief of Stylist. And I'm Alex Walker, Editor-at-Large. And together, we are your brand new work wives. Consider us the background noise to your PowerPoint presentation. The support you might need to get through a working day. Or the distraction. Yep, definitely that. Welcome to Working From Home with Stylist. Coming up in today's episode, we're finding out how we should navigate the lack of body language in a virtual working world to get the best out of all of those Zoom meetings. Editor of Stylist Loves, Gemma Crisp, is sharing her recommendations for alternatives to the pub quiz for those big nights here. We'll be examining why so many of us are feeling guilty about just about everything right now. And we'll be talking to TV presenter Angela Scanlon about gratitude and her obsession with cheese. Mm, cheese. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have a lot of opinions about that list, just so you know. <laughs> Aside from thinking about cheese, uh, this week, I have to say, has been all about the Zoom meeting. I think I've probably spent about 25 hours chatting to people on Zoom and I am knackered. It's exhausting. Honestly, every time I see those windows flash up on my laptop, I'm like, (laughs) oh, here we go again. But obviously it is becoming the new normal. And I think as lockdown continues and obviously a continuation of social distancing, we're probably going to have to get used to the idea of Zoom meetings and being able to use them properly because I don't think they replace a, a meeting in the traditional way. They sort of serve a different purpose. Yeah, I think um, something I've talked about with the team is it's really difficult to be creative in a Zoom meeting. Mm. There's something mm. about not being able to see a person in person where you don't have the same instincts, I think. So to me, they're, they're much more functionary than a than a typical meeting. It's a much more quick, you know, quick chat, quick approval system. I find it much harder to, I guess it's because I can't read people, you know. I, yeah. I spend a lot of time with it, it, looking at people. I guess you don't realise those little body signals that you see when you can feel the energy from someone in a room I can feel when people are excited Mm. about something uh, and I'm finding that really hard you know I'm having it how's everybody feeling today and if I don't get that energy that I would have got in the room Mm. makes me feel like everybody's really flat when actually they're probably not it's just because I can't feel the energy in the room I mean it does make you realize how much you use that sixth or seventh sense whichever it is but actually in terms of going I can tell if you're happy I can tell if you're sad I can tell if you're energized Mm. Can tell if you're down and I think that's particularly hard when you don't know people very well a friend of mine went and had a job interview on zoom last week for a very I can't imagine how hard that is important position and actually again meeting strangers having to hold yourself in a certain way and this will become more normal as all those meetings we postponed with people you know outside of our workplace have to take place on zoom and that's that's kind of freaking me out a bit actually mm. because i i like you realize how much i need all those nonverbal signals yeah and you know i was thinking as well like Sometimes you have to have difficult conversations at work and sometimes you have to have quite, you know, firm conversations at work. And that's much harder when you're face to face. You can't go anywhere. You're kind of I think that's this is a really difficult way to have those conversations. And I'd love I'd love to learn a little bit more about how we change and adapt our working styles to having those conversations over Zoom. Well, 
I am your fairy godmother then because I have some advice for you. I had a conversation um, with Russell Amasakera, an executive career and presentation coach, asked for his advice because I realized I was finding it harder and harder to read people as time went on. And actually, he had some really interesting things to say about energy, but also about how to tackle those tricky conversations. One of the things that my colleagues have noticed and also lots of our audience have been saying to us is that they're finding their Zoom chats, their normal meetings, more exhausting than normal. What are we doing differently? Why are we finding it so tiring? I'm hearing exactly the same thing. And, and people, as you say, are finding it really, really tough. And there's a few things going on that I, I think are really interesting. The first one is that we're used to connecting as human beings through energy. You know, predominantly... When we are in the same room as somebody or we're close by, we're, we're transferring energy. And that's the thing that connects us most. We feel a tremendous sense of reassurance, you know, when we have that. And the difficulty with this medium is you don't have that. So essentially, we're having to overcompensate. And we're overcompensating in a, in a number of ways, actually, because we have, we're not getting that sense of reassurance that the other person is responding to us in the same way. And that's quite fearful for us as human beings. Psychologically, we don't quite know where we are. And although you can see somebody on, on the screen, you're, you're not getting that same level of affirmation from them. So what do we do? We start to work harder. So we work harder with our voices. And that's partly because we're also trying to convey more emotion through the voice. The other thing that we're doing is that we're having to observe more because we're trying to pick up those visual cues that are very easy to us when you're in close proximity or the person's in the same room. And all of that comes together to actually be incredibly, incredibly tiring for us as human beings. When we're working like this, because actually I can understand what you're saying, everything feels so exaggerated, doesn't it? I feel like I'm shouting at my screen. I feel like, I mean, we're having to watch ourselves. You can see how animated you are as well in that environment. And that's false. We don't see ourselves normally. So it's kind of a distraction. How do you read someone properly through a computer screen? When energy is missing, we've lost the sense. What do we have instead? In reality, the bulk of our communication despite language is still nonverbal, okay? We, we, we're looking for movements. The first thing that instinctively we look for is hands. If you go back to primitive times, essentially we, we looked to see people's hands because we couldn't see people's hands. We had a fear that they might be concealing a weapon. Yes. Yeah, to, to see that. So, that. so the first sign of reassurance is hands, okay? And hand gestures, because eyes, you know, can actually be incredibly deceptive. So the difficulty in, in this medium is that we can't see hands, okay? Mm. Occasionally, you see the hand just popping up. Mm. So, so essentially, we have to go back and we've got to try and sort of make sense. So you do have to look for facial gestures, um, you know, study whether somebody is responding to you because that's the only way of really being able to tell whether people are, are buying you, you know, whether they're connecting mm. with you, whether what you're saying to them is, is, is creating meaning. So the eyes do then become disproportionately mm. important. The mouth becomes disproportionately important. The little facial gestures will tell, tell you whether you're connecting. Eyes, mouth, little facial gestures. When you say something, give that person the opportunity to respond mm. and study their response. Now, the great thing on this kind of medium is that you do need to give people time because mm. otherwise you're constantly just talking over each other. So we do naturally create a little bit more space to do that. Any red flags or things we should watch out for when we're making these Zoom calls, particularly in a professional environment? So, so timing becomes really important. The ideal time to be on these calls is between 30 and 45 minutes, no longer than 45 minutes, because that gives you the chance then to be able to, to focus and concentrate and you can be present. You can give that person your full intention or your team the full attention. So that's the first thing to, to, to really think about. There are some obviously obvious practical things. So movement can be quite a challenge on communicating with Zoom mm. and other platforms. So effectively, if you're moving around a lot, it can be incredibly distracting. Okay, I'm interested in speaking to people for the first time because it's actually a very cold environment when you appear on a screen, isn't it? How can you make an impact? Our first reaction, again, as human beings, when we get nervous, for most of us, is we start to transmit. 
we feel that need to say something mm. and that becomes even more exacerbated through through zoom and these other platforms because mm. effectively we go right okay i've got to i've got to seize this and then um two things happen we we often we start to gabble you know <laughs> and then we wonder mm. what's coming out of our mouth actually <laughs> but it's just that sort of <laughs> sense of i need to make a connection and the other thing that happens is it it it, it hits our stress button so we tend to, to breathe faster and we tend to breathe more shallow. And you can feel it happen to yourself when you feel nervous, actually. We start mm. to go, ah, 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 mm. ah, ah, and we start to breathe faster, which makes you then speed up even more. Mm. And the key to this kind of communication, particularly when you meet somebody for the first time and you really want to make an impression, is create space. Just give yourself that moment to pause and give yourself a chance to take in, allow the other person the space to speak. Absolutely. Um, finally, how do you handle a difficult conversation? You know, difficult conversations are challenging at the best of times, but empathy becomes really important. And that is, again, when we use this kind of medium, there is a tendency for us to focus more on our transmission. And um, I have this little tool that I use, actually, uh, which is doubly effective when you're working on one of these platforms, which is to ask yourself essentially um, uh, three, three things. So um, what is that person thinking? OK, just, just allow yourself to just spend a minute before that difficult conversation. What is that person thinking? What do you think is in their mind? Second one, how are they feeling? Okay, how are they feeling? You know, what might be their emotional state at that particular time because of the need to have that conversation? Mm. Okay, and then thirdly, and this is really important, is what does that person need? Things like empathy, compassion, kindness absolutely come through that ability to be able to physically connect with and energetically connect with people. And you just can't do it using this kind of medium. God, he's really made me think actually how one, how susceptible I am to energy and to people's energy and how much not sensing that energy really makes me feel quite nervous and overcompensate and worry about what they're thinking and feeling when actually they're probably completely fine. It's all me. So that was really interesting. And also just how much extra energy you put in when you can't feel theirs and why that would make you feel tired. Yeah, that, I have to say the idea of giving space, allowing space, being comfortable with space was definitely the, the thing I took away. When I spoke to Russell the day before I'd met someone for the first time using Zoom, and she'd, you know, we'd both done our greetings. Hi, how are you? Very friendly, over smiley. Um, and then she said something and I went into the longest anecdote, which had nothing <laughs> to do with anything. And as I was talking, I was thinking, why am I saying this? So I started talking about my husband, started <laughs> talking about a holiday I've been on. And suddenly I was like, I really, really need to stop talking. So when he was talking about the gabble, I thought, oh my God, that actually is me. Mm -hmm. And maybe he said that because I did that at the beginning of our chat. So I think that's definitely what I will take away from that as well. Russell is currently holding regular workshops online and you can also find out more on his website, pearlsandpoison.com. Now, I'm really excited to say we're joined by Gemma Crisp, the editor of Stylist Loves, our daily recommendations email. And let's be honest, all round social butterfly. Uh, how are you coping with your clipped wings, Gemma? Oh, I have to admit that I'm not loving life as much as I normally do right now, but that's kind of understandable given uh, we're in, what, seventh week of lockdown, sixth week? Lost count, lost count, Lisa. Time goes by in a strange way. Alex and I um, always go to Gemma normally for our recommendations because she is the person who knows every single restaurant, travels all the time. This is why you are, of course, the editor of Stylist Loves. So tell us a bit about Stylist Loves. Stylist Loves is um, is an email that we send out Tuesdays to Fridays. We've adapted the content because of lockdown recently. So normally we'd be doing restaurant reviews and pop-ups, but now it's very much about, you know, recipes to bake and things to do during lockdown, like virtual art classes and nice things to do to keep you guys going insane from boredom. 
So you've still got all the recommendations for us, which makes me very excited. Um, so Alex and I were talking last week about the fact that um, we're a bit over the quiz. We've done more quizzes now this year or over this past month than we've ever done in our whole lives. Every night feels like studying for your A-levels again. <laughs> <laughs> more random, boring facts. <laughs> so we wanted some ideas, Gemma. I know that you've been doing lots of research. You've got some great things that we can do. I do indeed. And... I'm going to admit that I usually hate what I call forced fun. Um, things like escape rooms are my idea of absolute I mean, you're wrong. Hell. You're wrong, obviously. <laughs> forced fun is the best type of you fun. You two are the complete opposite ends of the scale here. <laughs> and yeah, we're such good friends. It's so ironic. <laughs> and I've made her have forced fun, so she can deny it, but it does happen. I also find it helps to schedule something on a Friday night mm. to mark the start of, of the weekend because, as we all know, there's not much delineation between work yeah. and home right now. So I'm really interested in um, Dabber's Social Bingo, which is a bingo hall in East London that opened just over a year ago. They've launched something that's called Quingo, and it is a virtual bingo-flavoured quiz. So what that means is that all the answers are numbers. And that's on Friday and Saturday nights via Zoom. So what how it works is that before the game starts, you're emailed your tickets and you can either print them off or do the numbers on your phone if you don't have a printer at home, which not many people do. And then once you have a line or a full house, you call out Quingo and the host, who's like a comedian and very funny and there's lots of like party tunes, um, goes through your numbers and you obviously like normal bingo, if you've got a full line or a full house, then you win a prize. Now these prizes are quite good because they're things like Uber Eats vouchers or three months movie, movie subscriptions. So it's good things that you can use right now. They're very nice. Now it's nine pounds and you can pay four pounds for an extra sheet of numbers to increase your chance of winning. And the lovely thing is that 10% of ticket sales go to Hospitality Action, which is a charity that's helping hospitality workers affected by the coronavirus. So if you want to get involved in Quingo, the website is dabbers.bingo and it is on Friday and Saturday nights and um, I suggest everyone gets involved because that's my kind of forced fun. Yeah, it sounds good. Um, I like the idea of booking something in on a Friday night. I'm quite tempted at the moment about doing um, Secret Cinema's Secret Sofa Nights, which are also on a Friday. So obviously following the premise of their very famous immersive um, events, they're streaming the films live, that you can do some um, activities around it. They set you a dress code. They give you things to eat and drink. Um, and you don't find out what the film's going to be on until the Tuesday. It's a similar sort of price. That's £10. And they were doing Moulin Rouge last week, which is actually one of my favourite films. So that was very exciting. I think that's going to be a really good thing to do to actually book things in for your weekend delineation I like that speaking of booking things in for the weekend I know a lot of people have said they don't have the attention span to read during lockdown but you are a fan of literature you will be pleased to know that this weekend coming there's a three-day virtual book festival Mm. by um, BBC Arts and it's bringing together the best of all the cancelled literary festivals that would be going on around now and it's being Mm. broadcast over the Maybank holiday weekend Um, it's got video interviews panel discussions and on Friday, just to pick out some highlights that I'm quite excited about, at 10am you've got Maggie O'Farrell, who's one of um, one of my favourite authors. She's just released Hamnet, which has become a massive big uh, bestseller. Then on Saturday you've got the one and only Marion Keys. Oh, and love, she's love discussing her. writing, finding, using your voice, growing into your own skin. And that conversation is with the co-founder of the Women's Equality Party, Catherine Meyer. Oh, interesting, yeah. And then six o'clock on Saturday, you've got the author of Killing Eve. Wow. I think a lot of people forget that Killing Eve was actually mm. a series of novels before it became a smash hit TV show. So Luke Jennings is going to be talking about what drew him to create um, his female-centred thriller. And then closing the event on Monday at six o'clock, is the Booker Prize winner, Bernadine Evaristo. Wow, what and she's lineup. going to be talking, yeah, about girl, woman, woman and other. Um, so it's a really amazing, amazing lineup, and it's free. So you can find out more at bigbookweekend.com. You need to register at myvlf.com, um, and once a day's programming is finished, the videos will still remain on that website for people to catch up on. And my final suggestion 
is virtual wine tastings. Yes, I'm in. Lisa and myself will enjoy these because we quite enjoy the liquid grape. Uh, Alex, is more, Alex is more of a gin girl, so maybe not her. I am. But there's quite a few people and companies and brands doing doing these. Um, Lathwaite's is um, doing weekly wine workshops with winemakers and experts. They just did a South African live from the winery um, session this week with a senior winemaker from a vineyard in Stellenbosch in South Africa. What I like about this is that you can order bottles beforehand. You, you register and, mm. they'll, you know, for this one, the South African one, they, they sent three bottles of white wine from that particular um, vineyard. It was £60. Pounds, um, but... You don't have to order the wine. The masterclasses are free, so you can just log in. It's a Zoom situation like most things are these days. And so they're very much like, if you want to just crack open your favourite South African wine and just join in, you can. So there's no pressure, but you still get to join the party per se. And um, as my mother says at the moment, drinking international wine is the only way to travel these days. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love how much your mum is a total travel nut like you. you clearly got it She from just her. ordered a case of Georgian wine to be delivered wow. to her place in Tasmania, wow. Australia. So, you know. You see when you get it, don't you? <laughs> um, but if you prefer to eat and drink wine, then... Then uh, the great British charcuterie has teamed up with L'Atelier Le- Duvin on a Friday night. Again, a good Friday night delineation mm. from work. Mm. So at 7pm, a master sommelier and cheese guru guide you through um, wine and cheese and charcuterie pairings and oh take questions. Oh, my God, a cheese guru. It is your dream, Lisa Smazarski. <laughs> it is your I've dream. I've seen a lot of cheese content recently. The amount of cheese that's going into my mouth is obscene right now. (laughs) No such thing. So what happens is that you um, get a two-bottle tasting, which is £75. You get two bottles of wine, cheese packs, charcuterie packs, sourdough baguettes, biscuits, chutneys, and then you uh, log in at 7pm on a Friday night and join the party. I am joining immediately. That sounds fantastic. (laughs) Gemma, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want more ideas on what to do, eat, drink during lockdown, you can subscribe to Stylist Loves at stylist.co.uk forward slash emails. We're going to have all these recommendations written down for you on stylist.co.uk and you can find them in our show notes. Something which I actually wanted to chat about today was guilt. It's something that I do tend to be prone to anyway, but I've really noticed it being quite exacerbated this week. And I think what it is, is I am tending to feel really guilty whenever I have any sort of negative emotion. So if I feel really flat that, you know, I'm stuck in the house again, or I feel flat that, you know, maybe I've got to do another another Zoom work chat. I feel really guilty that I'm not feeling appreciative of the fact that I am able to work or the fact that I am safe at home when I know that that's not the case for other people and I think it's something I'm hearing a lot with friends you know they they may feel down that they've had to have a birthday in quarantine and miss their amazing plans they then feel guilty that they're that they're feeling bad about something because actually right now we should just appreciate everything when we know the bad things that people are going through but of course life doesn't really work like that and as much as I tell myself that I still feel the guilt. Mm, Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, it's obviously a topic we've covered before in Stylist and we have discovered that women are more prone to feeling the guilt emotion than men are. And there's lots of different reasons for that. But I guess all of those feelings are are exacerbated at the moment and our emotions are really muddled because there's a lot of different things to feel right now. Yeah, a colleague and I were, you know, we started a conversation. She said she was just fed up. She's had to go home, um, spend a bit more time there. And I just fed up because of homeschooling again and it's driving me mad. And then straight afterwards, we were like, oh God, no, we shouldn't feel like that because look how look at what everybody else is going through. And then of course you can't rate your emotions like that. There is no scale and one doesn't counter out the other. Mm, I think that's such a good point. And I think, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? We live in this time where we talk about our mental health more than ever, and yet we still feel bad about feeling certain emotions. And particularly during times like this, when there are things to feel worse about, we try and put those emotions in a box and pretend that we're not feeling them and then of course they do manifest as things like guilt or anxiety that is quite tricky I mean 
guilt isn't a new emotion. That I found a couple of um, interesting studies, actually. One from last year that said 95% of women have felt guilt in the last 24 hours. I mean, that's just a phenomenal figure. Another that's in from 2018 that said Brits feel guilty for six hours and 36 minutes every week, which is just the biggest waste of time I could ever come across. I'm going to put my hands up there and say I think I'm one of those Brits. Mm, but this is it. And I think, you know, one of the things when we started to talk about this idea of guilt is I, I read a few studies and there was something that really stood out to me because I was trying to think where this concept of guilt comes from. And in Germany, the word for debt and the guilt are the same word, which is schuld. And actually, I thought that's interesting because really guilt that is so true. Guilt is about feeling indebted. It's feeling bad to a person. It's feeling like we owe someone something or we haven't done something. So true. That is, you know, just about to fall asleep at night and then it's like, knock, knock, knock. These are all the things you didn't do today. It's never these are the things that you did do. Well done you. Or at least it certainly isn't for me and, and most of the people I know. Um, and whilst I wouldn't say that's strictly female thing, it's certainly seems to be something much more common amongst my female friends than my male friends. There was a very big study in 2010, actually, that did suggest that it is more of a female bias. And that particularly peaks in adolescence and 20s and then later again in 40s and 50s, I guess, when there are big changes going on in your mm. life as well. Um, and actually, it doesn't say men don't feel guilty. It would be reductive to say that. But they do feel it differently, less strongly the majority of the time. And actually, there's peaked in middle age um again I guess a period of transition for lots of people but I think I think what's interesting about the guilt that you're feeling at the moment is that um it's entirely useless it's not really helping you in any in anything because actually good guilt does exist that you know guilt can keep us in check in some ways and try and ensure we stick to our values and sometimes we feel guilty because we've had a conversation with someone that's gone badly and we haven't stuck to our values or perhaps we've behaved in a certain way at work and that's made us feel feel bad. And actually, if we can take that, work out what the thing is that making us feel bad and, and correct that or reapply that differently next time we approach that situation, that can be genuinely helpful. But I think the things that you are referencing, which so many people seem to be doing, are all the things they haven't done that they feel, you know, we should be doing during this period of time in a pandemic and there are no set rules there is no set template mm, it's true and I think yeah there's so many th things that are just you have to be realistic about like you say we're in a pandemic if you're not going to have the energy or the headspace to go and learn a new language I think you can get rid of any feelings of guilt around <laughs> that that's very very normal uh the thing I am finding though is putting a rule to say if I can do that thing that's making me feel guilty in five minutes mm. to just do it, um, you know, it doesn't have to be the best version of whatever it is. It doesn't have to be the most thoughtful version. It can just be a small thing. And as long as I can do it in five minutes, just get it done. Um, and I am trying to apply that rule. The other thing that I'm trying to do is to stop thinking of everything in black and white. Mm. So that idea that if you don't do that, whatever it is you set out to do then you're bad if you do do it mm. then you're good actually if you didn't do it you just didn't have time which is so true of guilt a lot of time it deals with with polar opposites doesn't it there's no kind of blurry middle which actually is where we all tend to sit in life you know you tend to not be at an extremity in most situations yeah no one is perfect no one is awful we're all just giving it a go trying our best so mm. trying to trying to get into the gray area as hard as that might feel I mean I, I think whenever you read around topics like guilt and the self negative self-talk which I guess this is a version of um so often the advice is about well how would you deal with that situation with a friend or a family member or a colleague if they came to you and said god I'm feeling really bad because I haven't done anything useful with my time you would literally laugh it off I mean you'd be like don't be crazy we're living in a pandemic and I think again sometimes writing these things down can help to minimize the issues when you start to see it in black and white and think about it as if that's a third person thinking about it from someone else's perspective rather than lying in bed going I'm just such a terrible friend <laughs> it is and I actually did do, I did take that advice the other day and um my family all wanted to do another zoom quiz um <laughs> uh, at eight o'clock at night and I had to just put my hands up and say no sorry mm. And I was really honest and I said, I just want to sit and I want to watch a box set because by eight o'clock at night, 
I've got no, nothing left to give. And of course I did feel really guilty because I missed out on seeing, you know, it was my cousins. I missed out on seeing people, but also I think everybody was like, they really appreciated the honesty. I didn't try because you can't try and pretend you're out because you're not, you're sat at home <laughs> avoiding them. But people appreciated the honesty um, and kind of got where I was coming from. So I am trying to do that much more. I mean, I think, I've definitely been more honest in those sort of situations during this pandemic period about what I need. And I think maybe that's a positive that will come out of this. You know, we are essentially so many of us are people pleasers, aren't we? We're sort of like, well, you've asked me to do that. Therefore, I feel obliged to do it because we're friends and I like you and I, you know, I want to make you happy. And then you're exhausted or you don't sleep enough, whatever the sort of consequence to you is. And I think maybe that will be one of the positives actually that emerges from this is that we become better about being honest about what we need as well. So I'm really sorry I can't come out tonight because... I'm completely exhausted and I just need to lie on the sofa for the evening. That is actually really interesting. And I, I think you might be right, actually. I think there are, as much as this is awful, we are learning more and more positives that are likely to come out of this period. And, and I do hope that's one, actually. I do keep turning to our website, stylist.co.uk, because as it happens, we have actually got 49 articles about guilt on the website, which shows how how strongly this topic resonates. Yeah. Um, how many different ways it can manifest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, three, which I've read in this week alone, um, which I would say to our listeners are really worth looking at, is a brilliant article on how to deal with email guilt, mm. uh, which is definitely an area of guilt for me another one which is all around food guilt which I think is quite interesting at the minute I know a lot of people are eating differently to the way that they perhaps would before and finding comfort perhaps in food and actually it, it talks about why there should be no associations of guilt with that that's an entirely normal and comforting thing right now which I found really useful and another all about very specifically about working from home guilt which is really useful for anybody who has that feeling like you and I do of perhaps working different hours and how that might affect our colleagues I found that really useful so do to check that out there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Earlier this week, I spoke to the really lovely and very funny TV presenter Angela Scanlon about how she's coping with lockdown and why she thinks it is so important right now to talk about the things that you're grateful for. She's actually got an excellent podcast called Thanks A Million, said in her very Irish accent, uh, much better than I just did then, which is all about the things that we're grateful for. She's got excellent guests like Marianne Keyes, Fleabag's Sean Clifford, filmmaker John Ronson talking about the things that they're grateful for. She's also presenting a TV show called Your Home Made Perfect on BBC Two every Tuesday, which is proving a real rating hit I think everybody is obsessed with their homes right now mm. um, and finally she gave me her top five cheeses uh, Lisa which you are going to love although um, I hope you're not too judgmental of because I know you have a lot of cheese judgment I have a lot of opinions in life generally but when it comes to cheese goodness me I really you know that excites me I have to say she sounds like a woman after my own heart hi Angela 
I thought we'd start if you could tell me a little bit about how you're finding lockdown and what's been getting you through. I think we're at week seven, is it now? Oh, it feels like longer because I was in Ireland and um, I was starting to record a chat show in Ireland. And so I was there for a couple of weeks and they locked down sooner. So I feel like it's been a little bit longer than that. And I guess maybe like everybody, I'm oscillating between feeling on the one hand relief mm. like oh my god suddenly I've been able to jump out of the hamster wheel and what yeah. was about to be an absolutely mental few months everything just you know cleared and there's a kind of oh a, like a bit of a sigh of relief I, I can be quite competitive and sometimes I find it hard when you look around and you're like oh my god everyone seems to be doing so much and actually the truth is that nobody can and therefore we can all kind of relax into um this it's a little new... bit like Christmas when you know everyone's off over Christmas it gives you that breather exactly like that because when you're on holidays people are still beavering away exactly, but Christmas yeah. is like free for all so a little bit like that um but then the reality of it and the kind of uncertainty of the duration, the worry, you know, I suddenly feel very far away from home. I travel over and back. I work a good bit in Ireland. I see my parents all the time and my siblings and my, you know, husband's family and everyone. Obviously, I've moved away, but I've always been very transient over and back. And suddenly we've not been there for now, you know, weeks, but with no idea mm. when we'll be there. And I do feel very very distant I guess my sister is a a nurse and she has gone back off parental leave onto the front line so I worry about wow. her so yeah like massive respect but also oh really do you have to do it um <laughs> so cliche to call it a roller coaster someone I heard the other day um corona coaster which feels very apt but <laughs> just <true>. try <laughs> trying to kind of um, be okay with the wildly different feelings, I suppose, mm. and just accept them a bit. Have you found yourself leaning on anything else? I've got, you know, some some friends who are just box set binging, some friends who are drink binging, some friends, yeah. Bit about mad. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't really got into the exercise thing all day. I've been doing a little bit of yoga, but I have started meditating. And... Um, and that's been really nice, actually. I've been doing like a guided meditation every morning. That's been been really nice. Drinking also, you know, gin at three o'clock, I'm, I'm partial to or I'm <laughs> certainly no not rules. judgmental of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I've been watching normal people. Oh, hasn't everyone? Yeah. Stop it. It <laughs> is. Um, and I read the book. I remember reading the book on holidays and I really liked it. And obviously it was, everyone was raving about it. And then it's just beautiful which is kind of making me feel even more homesick because I'm of like course, it's Ireland it it's is. so yeah. lovely and, uh, yeah. I think it will be the tv show of this period banana bread <laughs> normal people and Joe yeah. Wicks will be the uh the, Joe the Wicks trio. is the take out yeah I have a friend Lou Kempner who does amazing um impersonations and he's done one recently of Joe Wicks which is very funny oh I'll check uh, it out yeah so that yeah. and then weirdly I think um I yeah I've been recording my podcast at home and trying to um trying to implement some of those things so like I've started on Instagram doing a little hashtag uh, thanks a million trio and it's kind of my way of kicking myself into um thinking about what I'm I'm grateful for on any mm. given day rather than focusing on all the stuff that I'm either missing out on or uh yeah missing I think that's the thing there's like real pangs of of loss and a sense of fear and so I found that to be something that I can kind of come back to every day and share with people. And there's something really, um, yeah, comforting, I guess. Like it's a bit of a refuge. Instagram, I've always had a really odd relationship with. I love it and I love consuming it. But it also often feels like this nagging thing that mm. I have to do for work. All of a sudden, it feels very much just more warm and like yeah. a little refuge and very community based and so I yeah I kind of find myself going on there for a little hug rather than uh, to prod myself with uh, other people's productivity yeah. <laughs> compare yourself to everyone which which is the danger of it but like you say right now it feels quite different um quite a much more positive place than it has much been, more perhaps. positive yeah 
Yeah, and I think that's exactly it, the 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 ease with which we can compare ourselves, and that you know I, I, that was the motivation for the podcast. Actually, in the first place, was that we could. You know, comparison has been around in humans since the dawn of time, but you'd compare yourself to the neighbor and some chick in the village. Whereas now you can literally, before leaving bed, compare yourself with the most accomplished humans in the world and feel like, you know, crap. So you talked about doing your podcast from home. Um, How are you managing to do a lot of work from home? And if you are, what's your setup like? Do you have a separate space? How are you making it work? The good thing, I think, is that maybe previously I would have separated. I kind of, you know, if I'm in work mode, not like my child doesn't exist, but I kind of present in a way that like, don't worry, I'm on form. I'm in work mode. Therefore, it's separate. And and I never would have, you know, if I was on a work call from home, I would have made sure that that was under control. Whereas now. I think I would absolutely, you know, she'll sit up on my knee if she wambles in or if she's upset. It's okay to have a conversation where you're like, oh, really sorry. There's a, a kind of understanding, I think, from people which has um, allowed uh, the lines to blur a bit or us to be a bit more tolerant. I think that is going to be such a positive thing to take from this, actually, this blurring of those lines and realising you can be a parent and be good at your job and the two can sometimes mix if they need to. Yeah, and that you don't have to deny that big part of yourself to be deemed a, you know, an effective professional. And and I that agree. and I didn't even realize that I did that until I was forced to kind of include her in in some of those conversations. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm sorry, Bon. <laughs> so obviously gratitude is a big theme in, in your podcast and also in what you're saying about on Instagram. What do you feel like you will take from this period and say, yeah, I'm really going out of this feeling so thankful that I've got these things? I mean, I kind of joke with the with the thanks a million. That's the name of the podcast, by the way. But um, uh, I, I talk about cheese <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> but I feel like you're looking for something a little more profound. Cheese is fine. I'm, I'm fine with Okay, cheese. you're fine with cheese. I'm fine okay. with cheese. So my theory is that cheese has just come into its own in a way that we... We took for granted before, you know, grated. I just had some blue cheese with honey drizzled on a bit of toast. I feel like I've just had a Michelin star meal. Um, You can eat it in lumps. You can put it with, you know, a pear and pretend it's a cheese board. You can have toasties, which are literally the most comforting food in life, you know, grated over pasta. So I think it's just really come into its own. So yeah, that. And I I think the kind of slower pace, I found mm. myself actually... um really enjoying eating in I didn't realize how dependent I had become on grabbing porridge in Pret and then having my lunch over a meeting with somebody and then having a takeaway in the evening because it was busy and um and it just sitting down to have boiled eggs and a bit of asparagus which is so very <laughs> fancy and dipping it in and actually the kind of satisfaction like and this will be very normal for a lot of people but yeah the the kind of joy of um just doing quite homely things which is just you know aside from hoovering um I I yeah I've been surprised So given how grateful you are for cheese, we thought it would be an excellent idea to have you rate from five to number one, number one being your favourite, rank your cheeses. I am going to start number five. This is more for my daughter, but you know, there's a universal kind of joy that it brings. It's a baby bell. (laughs) Yeah, I love a baby bell. I mean, it's cute. Even the way it's packaged in that little red waxy ball makes it feel like a present. It's like a kinder surprise, but without the crap in it. So I think, yeah, Baby Bell. Let's go Baby Bell first. So number four would be a Manchego. Nice. Okay, now I'm blurred. I'm going between brands and just like types. I don't care what it is. Get it in a deli. Get it wherever you want. It's the, it's a hard cheese. It's quite subtle. I think it might be a sheep's cheese, but I'm now revealing myself as an absolute novice. I think it is. I think it is, okay. I think it is, yeah. And it's so, it's just gorgeous. And you don't need it with anything. Sometimes I find I like quince, I'm posh. And sometimes I like to have, I need a sweet thing like mm. a date or a relish or something. Manchego, 
Yeah. Oh, lovely. But I could eat manchego without any of it. Like literally like an apple. Just by so the block. By the block. So that's up there. Then where are we going? Oh, Cashel Blue. So this is an Irish cheese and it's, you know, blue. And it's like quite, quite stinky, but also just a bit um, violent. (laughs) (laughs) Violent cheese. This definitely needs a bit of honey or a bit of sweetness. But like it cuts through, it it doesn't mess about. It's quite a serious cheese. Um, It packs a punch. I feel like Greg Wallace would say that in MasterChef. (laughs) And um, it's, you know, you get a bit of bang for your buck. So um, yeah, (laughs) casual blue. Okay, and then we are going to go from there to, oh, Mont d'Or. It is creamier than any brie or any, any camembert you'll ever have. I think it's made in a very specific place somewhere high in the mountains. In Mont d'Or. Some, in, in that, place. In that uh, place. Something to do with the altitude that makes, anyway, it's like double cream instead of single. Nice. And it is divine. I mean, it's archery clogging. It is oozy and gooey and it's delicious. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Um, and then finally, it's going to be a good, trusty, unpretentious cheddar. Horgan's mature cheddar, to be Horgan's. specific. Yeah. You know, none of this kind of wishy-washy cheddar that you just, there's no real point in it. Like you want a bit of a slap around the face when mm-hmm. you're having... You want a sharp cheddar. Boom. Now you're talking. Um, So, yeah. So, have I done five? Was that five? They were brilliant. Okay, great. Thanks. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, I'm pretty much on board with everything she's just said, which I know is unusual. I like to be slightly antagonistic around these lists. Um, But uh, the Baby Bell, excellent choice. Cheap, chewy cheese, lovely. Manchego, lovely. Brie, oozy brie top of my list I think if I was doing this ranking I would have had a halloumi in there I think it's controversial it's not in the list um oh, it's controversial it is you know god the most you know brilliant dinner time cheese she's gone for like an, an after dinner cheese list I think apart from the cheddar I would never put that on a cheese board um but my absolute favorite and maybe she's just not come across it yet because I feel like I can convert her to this something called a pedangloy probably not to pronounce like that which is a circle of cheese like a mini camembert sort of shape but if you leave it out of the fridge for an hour it is the ooziest creamiest most delicious thing I have ever come across in my life I will say it's a bit of a stinker if you leave it in the fridge for too long it smells I went away on a girls weekend had it in the boot they were very very annoyed with me they're like why the hell have you brought a cheese uh but to be honest everyone found it delicious that is my cheese list I know you're not a cheese fan so this probably isn't one for you is it baby bell all round mini cheddar <laughs> uh, my favorite cheese on her list is a baby bell which I think tells you uh, where my I do love manchego as well actually but it tells you where my head's at cheese wise you can hear more of the very lovely cheese loving Angela on her podcast thanks a million Before we get back to our Zoom calls, we want to leave you with a few of our recommendations. These are our own recommendations, things we're getting excited about this week, right? That's right, yeah. Go on, you kick off. Tell me yours and I'll work out if mine are uh, are worthy of mentioning. Um, Okay, all right. Well, this week I'm planning to eat a Pizza Pilgrim at-home frying pan pizza. Now, I don't know if you've seen these. I've seen these. Have you? They're very exciting. So Pizza Pilgrim, obviously a kind of boutique pizza chain. An excellent pizza chain. Yeah, I mean, they are really very, very good. And what they've done is they've invented this at-home kit, which you can have posted to you, um, where you can sort of replicate one of their, I think it's like a margarita recipe at home. It's £15, which gives you enough for two people. And uh, I'm very excited about the idea of making a pizza in a frying pan. It still does go in the oven. I checked out the instructions. But yes, I'm going to try and eat that. They were sold out. So if you fancy a go, do um, pre-register now because it looks very exciting. I do recommend it. I saw this brilliant thing that Scribbler are doing, the card chain. And they basically have set up a load of um, thank you to the NHS cards. And you can order from them. You can send a, a note sort of saying, what what do you want to thank the NHS for? And they'll cover some of the costs of that as well. So I thought it was a really lovely thing, a nice way to just sort of share how you're feeling. 
I'm drinking. I'm a. I, I'm not a massive cocktail drinker actually, but I've been very overwhelmed by all the pretty pictures of cocktails that I'm seeing on Instagram at the moment. And I thought, oh, maybe I should up my game and give it a go. It looks quite good fun. So, um, I saw a recipe. I'm probably going to say this wrong for a picant picante cocktail how do you say that the oh, one with the chili picante, yeah salty chili one yeah everybody is making picantes at the minute in fact I, I did a zoom call with my friends last night and every single one of us had a cocktail and i i'm a cocktail drinker but they're not i think it's a real thing i think it feels like more of a treat than opening a bottle of wine more of an event and actually as long as you're not glugging them you know it's something you savor a bit more so i you thought rather than just more, don't you yeah necking a bottle of rosé i was gonna give having a cocktail a go what about you Eating, I am um, going to try this Monday. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, Giz and Green, so that's Gizzy Erskine and oh, yeah. Professor Green, uh, of do are doing this uh, thing where they take uh, really popular takeaways and they she, she gives her uh, recipe for them. Yeah. It's a bit of a cook-along thing. But this Monday, it is a Nando's peri-peri chicken with spicy rice, and I am a Nando's wow. fan. So I'm going to give that one a go. I'm also doing something food-based as well. No um, surprise. <laughs> I know. What a greedy woman. Um, <laughs> I am sending uh, these uh, Pasta Evangelist. Pasta Evangelist, amazing uh, fresh pasta company. But they're doing care packages that you can send to your friends, family members. So I'm sending them to my friends. Uh, they are £25 each, but you get three recipes for pasta that you can make in under 10 minutes. Um, and they donate five pounds of that to Age UK. Oh, um, so I thought that would be a really nice thing to send to a few of my friends that I'm thinking about. Uh, and drinking, I'm the same, cocktails. As I said, um, I am working my way through the Soho House uh, book there's a big section of cocktails i say i am doing my husband's making them for me nice. um yeah so i've been drinking a lot of eastern standards which is my favorite cocktail oh it sounds like a delicious week you can find all of our recommendations in the show notes in the podcast are and on our website silas.co.uk do leave your comments and suggestions of things you'd like to hear more about in the podcast store too and don't forget to subscribe to this series to ensure you don't miss out on next week's chats with Stacey Dooley, who will be chatting to us about her work life from home, and with stylist columnist Billy Battier, who will be talking to us about her fears about coming out of lockdown. Thank you so much for listening to Working From Home with Stylist. Stay safe and we'll be back soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.